Yeah, recovery after tournaments is always a week-long process for me. <laughs> My body's in full rejection of drinking that much beer. Yeah, I think I went two full days without drinking. I think that's a record. I think I did something similar. Uh, yeah. So now that we're all recovered, uh, Ryan, what are, you, <laughs> what are you drinking? I'm drinking a Meddler Ode Bruin from Odell. It's a sour in the Flanders tradition. And I'm drinking it out of my Trinity University 2003 senior disorientation wine flute. Which I disorientation. That is badass. Because it disorients you too, right? That's why it's it funny. Does. It was uh, the orientation on how to be grown-ups. Mm. So, Jeff, what are you drinking? So you failed the shit out of that one. Oh, I <laughs> I'm drinking uh, beer out of wine glass. Yes, I failed that horribly. Right. Well, I am having a Ballast Point uh, Commodore, which is a uh, American version of a imper- Russian Imperial. Um it's pretty damn good. I ran it uh, through my physics uh, today and uh, added a little little extra head on there, made it a little bit creamier. Uh, pretty damn good beer. Uh, if you can't, uh, if you can get that over there in California, readily available in pretty much half the United States. Ballast Point makes. Um, I don't think Ballast Point makes any beers that's not great and as dan king would say it's it's lovely it's simply it's gorgeous it's gorgeous it's really a gorgeous beer we got stunning <laughs> stunning oh, so stunning mark what are you drinking i am uh i i decided to take it a little slow after uh having to keep the kid at home all day today because uh, he was sick too so i'm drinking some shiner bach out of the keg in one of my nondescript tall pint glasses sounds good I know, right? Well, he's got a whole keg of it. I almost just went over there to record tonight so I could drink his beer. But You could have done that. There's going to be a lot of this beer left until Beer Fest happens. Right. Serious. So, yeah, uh, I guess let's get into it. We've had kind of a week to decompress. You know, if you guys want to jump into it, talk about your games, you know, some of the memorable games that you had or tactical games or fun games or whatever you want to do, you know, some of the highlights from the weekend, and then we'll just kind of talk about the overall feel coming out of the uh, out of the tournament. So, Jeff, you want to kick us off since you kind of took all the hardware? Sure, I guess. Don't ruin it for people. They don't know I won. <laughs> Maybe they do. I don't know. Well, they do now. Um, I mean, you just yeah, said you now. did. But... Way to spoil uh, it for me, Jeff. Right. God, douche. Um, yeah, so, I mean... The tournament in general, wow, what a what a showing! I mean, like, what a great what a great room full of people, man. Um, the feeling in the room was really nice. Yeah, everybody was having a good time. Everybody seemed to have smiles on their face. I don't think even the more competitive people that are always you know hyper competitive were just you know generally pretty loose. You know, they were having a great time. I had the fortune to, p- to play Dan King in game one, and uh, we played the Lone Ranger up scenario. Uh, we had a pretty damn tactical game. I caught him on a couple of things that he didn't see coming, and I uh, I got a charge into his lichen horde with my with my fiend. Was able to do a substantial amount of wounds to them to waver them, so I knew that they couldn't counter charge. And then the next turn, I just flew him off and charged him with my succubi, thinking, well, surely. I'll break him since I've already got seven wounds on them. You know, what's the chances the sucky buy with 25 attacks and crushing strength one don't finish him off? Well, this uh, this game 
started a trend for me for the weekend, uh, which you will probably have heard maybe by now, but I am the lord and master of double ones. <laughs> so I had 19 or 20 wounds on his lichen horde, so anything but double ones. We'll go ahead and break them. And I proceed to roll a natural double ones, even though he had inspiring there, so I would have had a second chance to roll it. I, I was able to roll a double one for him and keep him substantially in the game. Would I have picked those guys up? That's a massive swing because it, it really frees up that side of the board to do other things than sit there and die for a while. So not only did I roll double ones there, but he, he was able to countercharge the succubi and even with ensnare managed to do like six wounds. So he needed to tend to pop them. And since I had just flown my inspiring off from over there, Dan proceeds to roll that 10 and uh, go ahead and pop the unit of Succubi, whilst uh, also making uh, nine regeneration rolls and putting him back up into the game with that unit. So, you know, the long story short of it, it was it was a very tactical game. Even after that double ones, I was I really had Dan on his toes the whole time. Um, I ended up winning the game by 75 points, but Dan was able to get my Lone Ranger with a needed a 10 to popper on the very last round and was able to roll a freaking 10 on on the lone ranger too so you know he was going for that long shot to pick up the extra points and and he did it so uh, the game came out to that was a 300 point swing so it came out to be a 225 point victory in dan's favor but wow you know real tight the whole time i i let him off a little bit on the drinking side of it i think he only had three beers in our game <laughs> he only, we only had about three he only had about three beers because he was looking real hungover in the morning i'm like well i want him to have a fun time the whole weekend so i'll still drink but he looks pretty messed up so he got away with three beers i did make him do a chug uh at the beginning of uh the game for a plus one to the roll and my mistake was grabbing really ice cold beers and trying to chug that because that was really a stupid idea because it genuinely hurts when you're trying to chug ice cold beer that fast and he he did beat me by like a swig and a half so hmm. you know that was that was quite quite sad for me this is not not a proud moment <laughs> But anyways, and now for a moment with Dan. So Dan, game one, you played me. Uh, you know, what did, what did you think of the game? Jeff is a master tactician. Oh, thanks, Dan. Appreciate it, man. I will say you did seem a little bit distracted on turn one. What was going through your mind? Pay attention, you see. Um, I, was, I, was, I was like, ooh, it's so pretty. <laughs> I guess Mark standing behind you, naked and jiggling his balls all over you, were, what didn't make it any easier to concentrate either. I would, Im I would imagine. You know what? What were you thinking as he was jiggling them all over you? Very authentic and funky. So that was awesome. I'm loving it. Do you remember what he ran around calling it? Excalibur. <laughs> and then, what do you think of that? Got large cock. Oh, it was just gorgeous. I loved it. It's not quite as pretty as Jeff's, to be fair. This has been a moment with Dan. You want me just to break down all my games real quick, because the rest of them will be pretty quick, or do you want to go back and forth with Ryan? Your tournament, Mark. Your call. Uh, you guys can do it either way you want, man. If y'all if y'all want to do back and forth, one and one and one, that's fine. If y'all want to just 
go through your whole string and then... I'll, I'll just blow through them real quick. I think it's probably oh, faster for people. Load, yeah, but just blow it all out. Uh, game two was versus Dustin Howard. You know, he had a abyssal dwarf list that he just won Shiloh with. An, an amazing, really, really just nails hard list. God, man, that list is so, so, so good. I heard he got a bad game for his list, not for his person, her per, his persona, but uh, you know Dustin's a great guy on the table, and he'll kick the shit out of you, and then you know you'll you'll have a good time with him at the same time. So we did not want to roll in and play each other. We both know each other's list and play styles. We thought coming to the table, this is a ten ten or eleven nine, one way or the other, and sure enough, it was that until. Uh, turn seven came around and Dustin rolled just ungodly uh, high to break units that he needed like tens to break. He was able to do it, so he ended up picking up some points where he needed them, and he he ended up rubbing out like a uh, victory. And then we forgot to count the Ebola. Um, he was so rubbing one up, out. <laughs> yeah, rubbing one out. So he ended up with a thirteen because the Ebola scenario portion on top of it. So, you know, I not certainly not a great start for my days, two middle of the pack kind of scores. And then um I roll into game three, which I played Sean Malloy. Correct. Sean Malloy. I played Sean Malloy and God I love him, but for some reason he just cannot dodge me at tournaments and I have a damn near flawless 20-0 victory <laughs> i mean not even like a 19 like 20-0 every time i've ever played sean like he just i don't i he just bleeds the points to me man like and he's he's not a bad player he 20 0 fred whitney or maybe he didn't 20 him. i think he got like a 17 or something he but did pretty good yeah i know he did really good and fred's a great player so you know i ended up doing the, i ended up doing that there's not a lot to go into on that one without you know just harping on it and then uh game four game four was my highlight for this tournament game four i played tyler coughlin the only night stalkers list in the entire tournament and i'll tell you what it is rough that list is mega rough oh my goodness uh he had uh he had four hordes of fiends man and those things are huge movement, they're stealthy, they've got crushing strength, like just out of the box awesome. He has shooting to back it up, he's got inspiring because he's got all my inspiring, he doesn't have to even pay for it. Like just nails hard list. It could have been maybe a tiny bit harder, but not a whole lot. And I played this game absolutely perfect, except I managed to roll five not four, not three, not two, five double ones in this game. The mathematical probability double, of that that was is five double ones. Five sets of double ones. Man, how do people play this game with double ones? I well, mean, that just seems really broken. Those those well, were only double ones, and you need like a ten or eleven to break them, right? No, no, no. They were they were literally <laughs> double ones when I had like twenty six wounds on each one of those units. Were literally. All I needed was anything but double ones. Because I'll tell you right now, double ones don't upset me. Double ones, when you need a seven to break somebody, you roll double ones. You didn't roll a seven. It's still statistically average. It's not a big deal. But when you need double ones to break somebody, and you roll to, to be the only thing that doesn't break somebody, and then you roll double ones, it's aggravating beyond reason. 
to do it once, but let alone five times. <laughs> um, it, after the second time, I was just like, surely that, that'll be it. And then the third one happened, and I was like, okay, now I'm going to go for a record. So, so it was fun because, like, the guy, Tyler, was super, like, funny about it. It was just like, he's like, I'm so sorry, man. I was like, what are you sorry about, dude? I, I rolled it. I think this is hilarious. I was like, I win games all the time. How many, how many stories am I going to be able to tell about having rolled five double ones? And, you know, still being on the table. So uh, a couple of them just really opened me up in just terrible situations where I, like, charged a troop to get him out of the way and blow him out of the water. And then I opened up a rear charge, and he did 72 attacks in the rear of my of my big horde and just blew him out of the water. And, like, oh, man. But the, the story of this was is I rolled these double ones because Mark Cox is a fucking <laughs> asshole. So... Um, <laughs> Mark, for those who don't know, is dice fucking cancer. Don't let this guy ever touch your dice. If you see him walking up to your table, just hide all of them. Or leave him, like, your opponent's dice. Like, grab your opponent's dice and put them on the side and act like they're yours, because he'll touch them. And then they'll roll nothing but shit for you literally the entire rest of the day. It was bad. It was bad, but we were laughing. We were cracking up the whole time, and Tyler was cool about it. I was a good sport about it. He's like, I know people that would be flipping tables over, and I was like, that is just not me, man. Like, I, I was like, it's going to be hard to top this for a best game. He's like, best game? I was like, yeah, dude, this is hilarious, man. Like, people people don't get it when I start laughing about this stuff, but I think it's hilarious. So, um, long story short of it was that I... I ended up just playing so tactical on a couple of other things. I just started setting up stuff, thinking ahead that surely there's more double ones that can be rolled here. And Mark kept coming over my table and watching, and he's like, oh, my God, dude. Like, he's set up for this, that, and the other thing. Oh, my God, he rolled double ones again. But, oh, he's set up for this. So I ended up pulling out a 13-7 victory versus an absolutely amazing list with a very good player behind it even with rolling five double ones and all that to say, you know, there's a lot of chat on the interwebs about, you know, double ones break this game and, you know, it, it can completely destroy an entire game where that you could have won that you should have won and blah, 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 blah. The fact is you should always be building in re redundancies. You should always be playing as though, you know, you need to follow up this, that, the other thing. And would I have beat Tyler by 20? Absolutely. But I pulled out a 13, even rolling that bad, and I got a great game out of it. I'm fine with it, man. Like, I had a great time. Um, and, spoiler, I ended up winning the tournament. So would I have would I have got a 20 versus him? It changes my opponent in the next round. Maybe I get some D-bag that I have a bad game with, but I didn't because I got someone really cool for my fourth game. So... You, you don't you don't know, and you can't look at that kind of stuff and be like, well, woulda, shoulda, coulda. It just doesn't happen. You roll double ones, be cool about it, be cool on the table, be nice to the person you're playing across the way, because they didn't make you roll out double ones, you know? So, anyways, uh, great game. Uh, couldn't believe I pulled it out. Game four, I rolled into playing... God, why am I blanking right now? You want me to tell you? Uh, no. Um, Scott Sullivan. Scott, Scott Sullivan. Sullivan. I don't. God, I was. I don't even. I got brain fart because I was thinking about uh, Sean Malloy. Uh, Scott Sullivan. Anyway, uh, Scott is is a really cool guy. He shows up with his wife Nikki pretty much all the time. Another 
fellow Ratkin lover, and you know he ended up bringing a pretty rugged dwarf list, um, and it was the sectors one where you know victory points don't matter. Um, so it was all about controlling sectors. The problem is Scott has 15 drops, or 16 drops, one of those two, and he just he just has so much more board control than I do um, with those drops when it comes to holding out those sectors. So. I'll tell you right now, Scott made me work it, man. Uh, I did end up pulling a 20, but it was not a 20 until the bottom of turn 7. Like it, you, at no you get point... a 17. Oh, was it? Se- oh, sorry, yeah, 17-3. Yeah, three. 20 was an extra. Yeah, yeah. 17-3, sorry. Uh, he was able to hold a, a quad, a, uh, a sector by himself. Um because he just has so many drops, so so many drops. Uh, it was it was essentially a kill scenario for me because I had to kill a ton of units in order to get him to not be contesting zones and not owning the zones completely. So it was really difficult. And and I did get a seventeen. Um, I rolled uh, two sets of double ones versus Scott as well. So that continued my trend there, and uh, you know made it a little bit harder for me to to pick up those points. Uh, and again, had a great time uh, playing Scott. And game um, six, yeah, game six, I rolled into uh, Tyler Coughlin's buddy um, from Houston. Tyler Coughlin was the Night Stalkers I played in game four, my best game, and I played a, I played his buddy with a very very shooter heavy uh, rack him list. Wow, um, Eric Nielsen, what what a what a rugged list. I just luckily I have played against Brad's list, you know, and know how that kind of thing works and I just I just stacked up versus it and played it proper and he he got a little he got a little upset a couple of times um because I I think it was because I was playing it super tight and uh you know I was very adamant about, oh, okay, this, that, and the other thing. Like, you obviously can't land here. My intention is for this, and you can't get into this, and do you agree on that? But, uh, you know, I was just really shutting him down on all of his angles that you could tell he really wanted, and, and he gave up uh, He gave the two pretty open mistakes um, that we kind of talked about after the game. Um, and I was like, you know, the only thing I saw you did that was probably a major mistake was this and that. So we just gave him some pointers on that kind of stuff because he's obviously a very good player. You could tell he got a little bit aggravated at the end because of I, I just really started tabling him pretty bad. I got a couple of clutch charges off. I only rolled two sets of double ones versus him, which, you know, that's fine. I'll, I'll, two, I'll take two sets of double ones. Uh, it kind of lightened him up a little bit on two of those, um, but they were pretty insignificant rolls so it wasn't that big of a deal i did manage to 20 him and uh, that was from table four which uh really leaped me into the begin uh, you know to the leap me up to the rest of the pack there with a uh, general points because no one took anywhere close to a 20 for their final game which at that high competitive <clears throat> play you're just not going to did you uh, i mean on the top i'm saying the top five tables oh yeah who who is playing on the top five tables at the end right there um you have to go down so, to table 12 to get to the next 20. Okay, yeah. So Every, pretty, everybody else was like 8 12s, 15 fives. Yeah. Taking but a 20 yeah, on that table high 12. Of competition level is not easy to do. It mm-hmm. really does take a lot of work. I envisioned it from the point of deployment. I knew exactly how I wanted to approach it. And this is all goes to say, guys, like, you know, you can build a list with an idea of, like, I'm just going to sit here and shoot. But the fact of the matter is, like, shooting lists do not win six games at a tournament. They just don't. You're going to lose one or two games from it. You're going to play against someone who knows how to deal with it. And you're going to play, you know, scenarios, too. So, you know, 
I, like I've been saying, balance is broken. You know, take a balance list that does everything and has a Swiss Army knife to control stuff. And that's really what took it for, for me. Um, you know, I was able to capitalize on movement, and uh, I, I like winning on the movement game. The simple fact of the matter is I outmoved him. So, Ryan, what about you, brother? I went, I guess I should preface this by my um, prep for Lone Wolf. I played a game back in July, I think, <laughs> and it was my last playtest of the list before I had to start going into full-time painting. And can I, I, not... I, can I say, I loved your list, dude. Beautiful list. I mean, beautiful army and amazing list. Really, really appreciate think... it. Would you say it's gorgeous? Really Go ahead, Mark. It's gorgeous. It's simply, simply it's gorgeous. Stunning. 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 They're really lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely, lovely. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's oh, oh, oh. Um, I found it worked really, really well for me with how I control movement and how I do maneuvering. Um, what I had found for my playtesting is the the opponent that outmaneuvers the other generally is the one who's going to take the game. Um, so I brought a list that was very maneuverable. Um, I had three flyers, I had two Lycan units, I had a Lycan character. Um, I could guarantee I would get charges that I wanted, um, and I was able to parlay that very well into a couple of really strong victories as the tournament went on. Um, so there's my caveat. I hadn't played in seven, eight, nine months, and so I went into game one very rusty against Robert Brandon. Uh, Robert had a list that was exactly... Good player the opposite kind of list I wanted to play. It was very shooty. It was very sort of resilient against being outmaneuvered. And stupid me didn't look really hard at the board at deployment. And everything about the table screamed deny flank on his right flank. He had a building to hide behind. He had a choke point. And I just ignored all of that, deployed horribly, uh, and ended up having half my army a turn behind where it needed to be. And he just beat the fuck out of me. Um, highlight of that game would probably be coming back to Jeff's thing, getting front charge and flank charge by units of uh, tortured souls, taking forty-one damage on the unit. There's my snake eyes. Ended up countercharging and killing one of the the uh, tortured souls units. That worked very well in my favor. But at the end of the day, he picked up a nineteen-one and just slaughtered me. And I felt like. All right, this is this is the level I'm comfortable at. I got one point going into game two. I was matched up against Lex Simon in game two. Lex is a guy from Austin that I love very much. Um, he and I haven't played each other in a couple of years now. I was very excited to get to play him. Uh, he had a Veringer, uh, Veringer army with some Abyssal allies. I'd never played against Veringer before. He had, uh, what's her name, Herja of the Fallen with her uh, judgment that lets her save a unit on a 4+. He put it on his most expensive unit, which of course I broke during the game, and with with a rear charge from Harpies, I will caveat that. Um, you're not going to do that very often. But he rolls her thing to save it, he saves it, they don't die. But as the game's going on, I start figuring out what's going on, and I don't get beaten nearly as badly in game two. I think he gets a 14... No, 16-4 off of me, Mark? Something like that. Uh, you had those backwards. You got four on the first game, one on that second game. Oh, so he tabled the snot out of me. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't uh, It wasn't a very close match. Um, so I felt really good going into game three. I'm sitting on five points. It's exactly where I want to be. All the pressure's off. I'm going to have four fun games from here on out. I've already had two fun games. So... Five points at the end of two games? Yes, yes. 
That's pretty good, Ryan. <laughs> this is called Operation Submarine, and nobody does it as well as I do. Everyone talks. About I do it pretty good too. <laughs> did Did you have five points going into game? No, three, I, yeah? I did not. It's pretty impressive. Um, so game three, I roll in against Chris Cole, who's another of the Hangover Heroes of Texas with me. Chris and I have never played each other that I can remember. Um, he's got a foot orc list that uh, felt very much like it was picked up from Warhammer, and he'd done what I had and hadn't playtested it a lot. He deployed in a line, he moved straight forward, he gave me a weak spot, uh, I double-charged it with lichens, broke his line just as I got the flyers over the back, and I just... I got every fight I wanted, I broke everything I wanted, he was huddling in the corner with a... I think a regiment of great axes and one or two of his gore rider troops, and that's all he had left. It was a hilariously fun game, but by that point I felt like I knew what I was doing, and I think I picked up 19 off of him. 18, uh, but who's counting? I can't keep track. That's, That's why all right. I'm going, I think, so that you can correct me. Everyone loves pointing out when I'm wrong, I mean. Uh, game four, I rolled in with Rick Hoy. Rick runs Bayou Battles in uh, Houston. Uh, so we had a great little debate going about this would decide what the best tournament in Texas was going to be, because Lone Wolf would have to abstain from the vote. Um, Rick was running a elf list with a lot of shambling tree spirits. I forget the exact name of them, because I'm not yep. paying close attention. Um, the, the four shamblers. And I have a theory about shambler and surge that everyone loves it, and I'm like, ah, I'm not convinced it's a game-winning tactic. And so this game, I... I sort of tempted it. I gave him combo charges if he could get statistically average rolls on his surge. And twice he rolled it, and twice he ended up one inch short of where he needed to be on average rolls. Um, and it gave me flank charges. It let me break all of his forest shamblers up. And the end of the day, I cleaned up and think I rode him for an 18 or a 19. He was the 19. He was the 19. Yep. Um, so... End of day one, I'm two and two. I've already got as many wins as I expected to take from the tournament. And I'm in a great mood. I'm getting drunk. Everything is good. Uh, Sunday morning, I roll in, and I've got Devlin Smith of the Blue City Brawlers. So we go from, uh, let's find out which tournament's the best. Oh, by the way, it was Alamo. To let's figure out which Smith is the best. Uh, and this one is the hold quarters scenario. And I get cocky, and I think I'm going to do stuff, and I'm going to break his fucking honey maze pharaoh if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> and in doing that, because I did kill him, I miscalculate distance. I leave my, one of my Lycan regiments an inch away from where they need to be to go capture a quadrant on turn six. And the game ends turn six. We don't get a, game, a turn seven, and I end up losing ten six because I couldn't get back into my own quadrant by an inch. So it was very frustrating, brought me back down to earth a little bit, but it was a fun, hilarious game. Uh, it would have probably picked up my best game vote, because Devlin was a lot of fun, and he drank with me Sunday morning, and I gave him a sabotage beer that blew up and foamed all over him. And he was a great <laughs> sport about it. Uh, we swapped off local coffee stouts. I gave him a, a Ranger Creek Sunday morning coming down, and he gave me whatever the Memphis one is that's their coffee stout, and things were good. Uh, game six, I rolled in against Greg Lent, who I believe is a West Coast guy. Yep. Um, Greg was running an undead army that had some wraiths. He had some uh, Revenant calves that were screened by infantry. And this was a game that, like the game against Chris, came down to one mistake. Oh, I, I should back up. Uh, against Devlin, I made another mistake in that I gave up a long charge by not pre-measuring and assuming everything had the same movement. And it let him get his uh, Idol of Shobik 
in on my stampede, which is never the unit you want to get charged. And that sort of broke my center. So that was a big, I screwed up one thing and it cost me a lot of points or a lot of, uh, in that case, territory. Greg ended up doing a couple of pivots to reform and gave my Brutox a charge on his Revenant Cav past the infantry because he'd slid the infantry over a hair. And that was all I needed to really take advantage of it. And the next turn I lined up Stampede for charge, I lined up my whole army for charges. And again, I gave him, if you can make average shambling rolls, you're going to get this. I gave him his wraiths in the back of my Stampede if he could get there, which would stop them charging in, which was the center of my offense against him. He needed a 10. He had 18 dice, I think. And he rolled eight of them, ended up two inches short. And I break his two units of Revenant Cav, his two units of Revenant Infantry, turn around and all he's got left is his rays, his two casters, and his uh, vampire on a dragon. And game on that point. I think I picked up 18 or 19 off of him as well. Yep. But the more important thing, I finished with 66 battle. That was about 20 above where I thought I was going to be. I ended up, I want to say, in fourth overall. But most importantly, I beat Jeff Swan by a point on painting and by a point in sportsmanship. You actually beat me with two points on painting. Oh, was it two points? So I'm considering that I'm twice as good as you because I beat you in two categories. You are and twice as good. soft scores are, are what matters. <laughs> to me, they are. <laughs> so uh, I'll claim this one like I claimed my Masters Championship. It, the trophy was labeled wrong, but I'm still going to claim it. So coming away from it, I had a couple of thoughts. Um, I was I felt validated that maneuvering is the way I'm going to win or lose games which is frustrating for me because it limits what armies I can do moving forward if I want to be competitive. And I was glad to have uh, my surge isn't as good as I think it is kind of confirmed. I returned the favor on Snake Eyes as well, Jeff, in one of my games where I put 37 wounds on a unit and gave him the Snake Eyes. So that sort of balanced out the 41. But those were the only two anything buts that rolled the butt. And we did a lot of break tests or nerve tests in our games. Yeah, man, it, it, and it doesn't. It's not a game killer, man. Sometimes no, you it's not, still win. Not at all. So, Mark, from your side of it, what did you think worked? What did you think didn't work? What would you like to do a little bit differently? And then we'll tell you how we think you can fix it. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I mean, honestly, the scenarios were a lot smoother than I thought they were going to be, <laughs> and I, I think that that's a testament to the pre-testing that we were doing. Those primers really helped us nail a lot of the, the detail down that we needed to fix some of the little wonky bits that happened during the games. Guys, we need a bumper to share with you, the Mantic Podcast. No swearing allowed. Oh, real professional. The Fourth of Snake is a UK-based Kings of War podcast, presented by John. I want to be an individual. Dan. Nick. Can I go to the toilet, please? And Matt. You can find us on Facebook at OFFS and on Twitter at O four foot snake and you can find us on iTunes. That's thirty two points of damage. Let's do a nerve check. Anything but snake eyes. Oh for fuck Squeaky toy Are you gonna do anything with him or are you just gonna let him run around all fucking night? There's yeah. Yeah. Do we have a rating? We should have a rating. What was the last thing I was talking about? The scenarios. Penis, 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 penis. Playtesting. Yeah, so playtesting the scenarios really helped us nail down a lot of the detail that uh, that could have been hazy if we had just thrown them out there for 
the actual main event. So that helped with not having to answer as many rules questions and have as many, you know, judge-based rulings. I think we had two all weekend. One, the question was already in the FAQ, so I just had to find the FAQ and pull it up for the players. Mm Mm-hmm. And the other one was that wonky one that I showed you the other night while we were gaming, Jeff, which was the, it's in the side arc, but technically they can't see it, but you can draw a line to the unit through the uh, leader point without, you know, with going outside of technically the, the 45 degree line of sight and it's a legal charge. Um, so we had that ruled uh, by Dan King, which was convenient because I was ruling it the other way. So thankfully he corrected me. We got that ruling done, but yeah, those were the only two rulings that were rules-based that I had to actually jump in on. So, you know, two out of, what is that, 32 times six different games. So in the neighborhood of 190 games, we had two questions where you had to to go to, quote, a judge or, quote, the FAQ. Everybody else just kind of played stuff out. It was awesome. So it really freed me up for a lot of time to go and deal with the event staff that were trying to get us to quiet down, um, <laughs> which I actually appreciated that, the fact that they were trying to get us to be quiet. And I was like, you guys knew what you signed up for when you signed us. So, Well, my theory on that is this. It's disrupting us as much as we're disrupting the other. We just need to go 50-50 where we're allowed to be loud half the time and they get quiet half the time because then we're half inconvenienced and they're half inconvenienced. Well, I, I thought about being you know, the belligerent dick and going, well, you know what? It's, it's good that you're over here because I want to complain about them. They're being way too quiet. Somebody needs to go shotgun up here next door because I am really put off by the silence coming from that wall. Uh, I came very dude. close to <laughs> their hall at one point the looks the looks i got from some of those people as i was like going out to go piss and stuff like that it was hilarious man they're like you people you know what i mean like totally judgy looks yeah it's like I gave one of them a hold my beer walking into the bathroom that's awesome nice yeah so i mean i've i've got zero regrets about that you know i didn't make the schedule i didn't put them next to us you know that was that was our venue so I'm glad, you know, honestly, like it could have been way louder. And I appreciate the fact that the players were actually considerate enough to kind of keep it a low tone for most of the time. Uh, so, you know, that happened. Um, the venue itself outside of that's always great. You know, they're, they're really cool. The guys recognize us from every year. You know, they like to walk around and look at the models when you guys are out of the room eating lunch and stuff. So that's always fun. I, I felt like it built up a lot of momentum for Kings of War just in general to go from not being this big grand style game where the biggest they had pulled in previous years was like 18 or 20 and to come out here and have 90 something people paid and have 60 something of those people show up and actually throw down and play. It it showed a lot of growth and a lot of promise for the following years, you know, and even for like Bayou and, Slobberknocker and, and and your tournament, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's a momentum thing. Like Shiloh showed a lot of good promise and they had a lot of people show up and they were a large tournament. I think they had 34, 35. Uh and then, you know, we go to the next South tournament, then we've got sixty four. You know, then we're gonna go to Bayou. Bayou I would hope would be in the neighborhood of the seventies, uh maybe mm-hmm. the eighties. You know, same with Alamo, seventies, eighties. And then we go into the next year and, and we see, you know, Lone Wolf jump in, jump back into the 80s into the 90s because all these people that didn't really know, hey, these big grand scale events are, are happening, uh, you know, come on out and play in them. Now that they've seen that, hey, there's an established connection here where 
there's a lot of people that show up and play this. Okay, well, now I feel comfortable making plans around this event and, and showing up and, and throwing down. So I, I think it sets us up really good for the rest of the year and into next year. I know there were some people there that were sort of on the fence about whether Kings of War was going to be for them that walked away going, damn, this game is awesome. I'm going to play the shit out of this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I, I had the same experience. Were you one Sh of those, Ryan? At Shiloh. <laughs> oh, you were? Oh, wow. That's what everyone was playing, but I walked out of it going, this game is so much more nuanced than I thought, but it's not hard to pick up. You're not having to memorize every rule book, every dirty trick, every what every caster can do, what every spell can do. You're not having to run against lists that run themselves. Every game was won or lost on a mistake in mine. Either a mistake at deployment, a mistake in movement. Um, every game came down to one general screwing up and whether or not the other general could take advantage of it. Yeah, I can agree with that. Countercharge. Countercharge is the first podcast totally dedicated to the game Kings of War. Join your hosts Andrew, Mark, and Rob as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. You can find us on iTunes and at OhioHammer.com, a proud member of the Ohio Hammer Network of Podcasts. Mark? Yeah. No, I'm still here. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, man. In in general, like I, I think it was a, I think all in all, great tournament, man. The standard of paint was higher than I, I had expected it. Uh, there's a lot of people that I fully, fully expected to have, you know, just Warhammer armies that they still had on trays and that they were just bringing on in and dropping them down, just as though it was a Warhammer game. But you know, I, I'd say at least. 25%, 30% of the room had full multi-based and fully gone over to, uh, you know, Mantic basing. And th that's awesome, man. Like, that, mm -hmm. that's really that's really great. Um, me and Ryan and uh, Robbie all participated in the painting challenge. There was more people that uh, dropped out. But, you know, it was just kind of to show how Mantic models could look great. And, and um, it, it's harder for someone like Ryan who's, you know, trying to play the herd right now when Mantic doesn't have any real herd models that that ryan could go out and get luckily darklands you know uh mercia makes amazing models and ryan loves them uh he's you know he's got a whole mercia army so it worked out painted one now yeah it's amazing too best paint best paint at the tournament for sure so yeah i mean paint in general this year was pretty good i, I was pretty impressed by it i thought going into it there's going to be maybe two or three other armies that that i could expect to see at high paint level and i was pleasantly surprised to see more than that mm -hmm. it was good yeah one of the criticisms i have heard is that the paint judges were a little harsher on the mid-tier armies than they've been in years past i think that was one complaint i'd heard yeah they absolutely um, were I agree. But that's going to be the case when you take a, a third-party paint judge and say, do do your thing. I think they were judging to a checklist. I'm not certain about it. There's a big, big set of discussions that happens that we can get into some other time about paint judging, about whether or not it's good to go off a checklist. I'm personally opposed to it just because it either rewards armies for doing mediocre stuff that gives them a check mark, or it punishes armies that do things amazingly well but don't do that one thing you're for sure yeah i would i would agree with that on multiple levels but i also try and balance when i'm paint judging alamo in the scheme of the whole tournament where usually at alamo between the best painted army and a middle of the pack army i aim for about 18 or 19 points i think lone wolf was a little bit higher than that it was yep but that's what happens 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I thought there were some great armies in the room that, you know, maybe maybe got like a couple points too low. I mean, um, but, you know, I'm not the paint judge. That's the thing is, you know, they're looking for very specific things. So Scott Holcomb's army, his his army's, um, I think, amazing paint, you know, great, great paint. Um, mm -hmm. is it, it's, it's a little dark, you know what I mean? But it's chaos dwarves. That's, that's understandable. It doesn't have a whole bunch of, you know, bright highlights like we're looking for. You don't have that eye catching pop, but there was a shit ton of people stopping over to check, check it out. Cause yep. I, I would, I would say it's the best looking abyssal dwarf army in the room for sure. Yeah, it was um, very good. Um, well, and part of it, it comes down to judges' taste, too. Sure, sure, yeah, exactly. That, that That's the other part of it, you know. I think they did a pretty good job with the restraints that were, you know, put on to them and, you know, with the with the scoring. And, and uh, there, the average in the room was probably about where it should have been. You know, it was about 55 points was, I think, was the average, right? 50, 55 points was the average paint. Oh, Which man, I, I had it pulled it up a out. second ago. 51. I, yeah, I know it was in the... Uh, 50 to low 50s um in the room and your top but painter ryan also... took 78 yeah i took 76 and some I think... of that average balance negatively because there were i think 18 armies that weren't fully painted 100 percent right 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 and, and they have like they still have like 12 points it's, yeah. it's a big hit if you don't have everything painted yeah, yeah, I mean, even like just assembled armies with nothing on them, we're getting like twelve and fifteen points, you know, mm -hmm. depending on some stuff. So those points were obviously available. Um, for me, it didn't really matter a whole bunch because uh, I, I actually I did have the most battle points, so it wouldn't have mattered. My paint wouldn't have mattered. I still, you know, I mean, it's nice to have a really well painted army, but I was just waiting for people to be like, oh yeah, but he only won because of soft scores. I'm like, actually, no. <laughs> I won by 16 points on the overall, like on the overall from the next highest person with overall, and I beat best general by two general points. So it really wasn't that big of a deal, but I I can understand it. It's a bit, it's a big deal. Um, you know, the average in the room, if you say that it's 55 points, um, and you have enough general points to be that that high tier of a player, you you certainly had. A high chance at winning an overall. So, mm -hmm. the moral of that story is like, if you had if you had forty five paint points, which was totally achievable. I mean, that's like three color minimum on the whole army, and uh, you know, conversions of some sort. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, was around the forty five ballpark. It, it wasn't it wasn't a high standard of paint to get those forty five points. Yeah, forty five was the tournament average, and that's taken into account the guys who had stuff that was completely unpainted stuff that was unprimed um if you if you look at about the mid 30s range and you roll up the average jumps up to about a 50 across sure, yeah. the remaining yeah. field so uh the battle wasn't too much higher i think the average battle was something like 55 so mm -hmm. average pain average battle wasn't too far off from each other yeah yeah out of 120 point maximum I, I did have the most battle points, and it I had 82, I believe. So you know when you that was surprising me because I was expecting to see someone in the 90s. You, you well, would not, think that, but this game's a little harder. 20, exactly. It's not easy to get 20 points in this game, though. That's the thing that's is, what I'm seeing, yeah. they are available, but 20 points on the scale we used, it's not it's not 
highly achievable. And you also have to remember, you know, in, in the other game system, we were playing 2,500 points. So maybe that spreads, a, you know, a little bit different mm-hmm. there too. But achieving a 20 in this game with the amount of peace trades that you honestly need to do, I, I understand that people are building point denialists. Unfortunately, my personal opinion on that is that they don't work mm-hmm. because this game is all about trading pieces and there's not a game that I played that I wasn't willing to trade this for that and knowing ahead of time that I was doing such. So, you know, achieving that 20, I mean, if someone says they got a 20, that's that's not easy to do, man. 19 is not easy to do. 17, that's a decent victory, but like 20 points is not simple in any way, shape, or form to get. So... You really, you really have to play at a high level to get a twenty, or I mean, just someone that just got horrid luck. So, yeah. But all in all, man, like I thought it was good. I thought, uh, I thought the scoring was was pretty good. Um, maybe, I don't know. Maybe a, a little bit of change in the sports scores next year would be my only feedback, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So that you get a small, uh, like a little bit, a little bit more variation. When seventy-five percent of your field know, gets one vote, I know that's crazy. you're not that's, gonna have separation on sports score. That, that's great though, man. Like the people who are saying that is like that's pretty impressive to have that much of the room, you know, get yeah, a sports. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, it, that that's just speaks volumes. Yeah, that speaks volumes to the game system, you know. You have so much variation in the amount of uh, players getting best game votes because there's just really no arguing on the table. It's really hard to uh, choose that best sport. It, it really is. You know, I used to let people get away with stuff all the time just to be like, eh, it's not worth arguing because I'm still going to win. It's not going to matter. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. arguing because this does this argument make sense to have an argument about? No. Okay. Not going to do it then. Like, I just, yeah. that, that's, that was my old, for, you know, that's what I used to do. Now it's just like, I'll just play the game because the rules are pretty cut and clear. So That's that's and, also the interesting thing is, you know, coming out of that, um, you know, I talked with Ryan about it. And, you know, with six games, it's really hard to get, you know, we were we were walking into it, you know, you and I, Jeff, talking about it on Friday. What do we do if somebody gets six votes? The scoring only yeah. goes up to five. You know, what do I do? What do I do? Nobody got anywhere near close. And that's mm-hmm. not to say that the players didn't deserve six votes. It's just that with six games, it's really hard to pull that many good game votes out with a clean game like this. So, yeah. Yeah. It kind of, basically, I mean, what we're going to go to is is first game and then second best game. And second best game is just going to be kind of a plateau scoring where you get something like two points yeah. for, Alamo, for a second. Let's go on the Alamo website. I've got what we're planning to use for the Alamo sports scoring and getting a second vote's worth two points. Oh, nice. And no matter how many you get, it's two points every time. Yeah, it just doesn't explode. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can go over the total awards for the weekend, who had what, and yada yada. Um, do you want to go over sports, paint, stuff like that? or? Yeah, if you want. I mean, we can. Um you know, obviously, paint was you, Ryan, and Robbie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and same for players' choice. You know, the, the players saw the same thing that our judges saw. Um, sports. It was, it was funny that it was the exact order too. That's, that's what I thought was hilarious this year. That Ryan took first, I took second, and Robbie took third for judges panel, and that the players voted in the exact same order is. 
that's just crazy. I don't know that I've ever seen it in the exact same order. But. It's, yeah. it's happened a few times, but it happens a lot of the time because players are getting a lot more educated about what good armies look like and what they are. Sure. Correct. And it's not me tooting my own horn. I thought I didn't disagree with the podium. I disagreed with the order a little bit, but I always do. Right. Um, the players really are starting to to know and understand what they like seeing, and a lot of the time the judges sort of are going that same way. There's a meta to painting, as weird as it sounds. Yeah. Yep. So uh, then we jump into sports, and Devlin Smith uh, was the top battle that had three votes. Then you had Sean Bright with three votes at the second highest battle, because that's our tiebreaker, because we had like four or five people with three votes. And then you've got Jody Stubblefield, uh, a habitual lone wolf sports winner, uh, in in third place there. Um, if we slide out to battle, uh, we've got Mark Taylor, Brad McKay, and then Steve Schifani were our best generals. Um, you know, if Mark Taylor had had a fully painted army, he could have been in some decent contention there, but um, you know, alas, he did not. Uh, he had a lot of unprimed, unpainted stuff. So most of his stuff was put together. I think he was missing. It was some put stuff, together, but... absolutely, but it was not anywhere near a lick of paint on it. Right. Yeah. I don't think it was primered, was it? Some of it was not primered. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then we uh, then we jump into overall, which uh, you know David Bowman got third, Robbie King got second overall, and you know Jeff, you you took first, so. You did pretty good over the weekend. You got two paint awards. Uh, you got the brush with death award, mm-hmm. and then Which, you. Which, uh, by the way, you weren't expecting it, were you? All shits, man! Like Ryan's dragon was amazing, dude. Like I just thought for sure. I just like, well, I'm, I'm. Sh- when 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 they shipped us the plaque for brush with death i was like cool brian ryan's prize made it here safe and sound <laughs> no, <laughs> like, no. the, the judges we had that was the outcome i expected really yeah i just i mean like i know i put a lot of work into that archfiend i got about 40 hours maybe or so into it but you know i just i just thought man ryan's ryan's dragon looked amazing and i was just i was genuinely shocked when my archfiend won but you know, I did. I'd really like the job I did on the Archfiend, and I'm Gorgeous. really, and it's really a, it's excited the best to. Example of your paint style I've seen yet. I love cool, that Archfiend. Thanks, man. I I really appreciate it. So you know, just a I very very big it. honor. It, it'll be the first time and only time I probably ever beat Ryan in any kind of painting <laughs> contest. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm getting old. Already. Yep. So that's that's how all the scoring and stuff worked out. Uh, you know, Ryan, you're. Your majority Mierce army was was pretty solid. Uh, I think it's kind of a good bouncing point into the next subject, the uh, Darklands campaign you're going to be running in a couple oh, of weeks. Yeah. You want to start covering that? Absolutely. Mercia announced this past week that they finally have their rulebooks in stock, um, and they're going to start shipping them out to the Kickstarter backers either this week or next week, depending on how much they've got to do for Salute, which is the, uh, the big gaming show in the UK. Um, and I thought that the time was right for us to do something sort of like Mark and Jeff are doing with the uh, the Kings of War campaign day, where I would run a Darklands campaign. Um, I w- had hoped to have the website live now, but I'm having some technical issues. It's not quite ready yet. 
Um, I've been working with the guys at Mersha to playtest scenarios and run through a couple of things. And we're going to end up doing a five-week campaign starting the, uh, I've got to remember the date now, the 23rd of April, which is in about a week and a half. It's on a Saturday. Uh, it'll be one game a week. We'll have a website up off of the Alamo GT site. I hope to have that up tomorrow, but we'll see how real-world stuff impacts it. Uh, it'll be a scenario a week, and it's grab a friend, grab 500 points, 999 gold. Uh, it'll escalate every week and just play a game, tell us how it went. It's kind of cool. I talked to Mersha about it. We've been working it back and forth for about two months now, and they agreed we're going to keep track of scores by kindred rather than by player, so there's not going to be a player that wins it all. But whatever kindred wins it is going to get very early in the queue of things they're going to unlock in their big cavalry kickstarter this summer uh so if you've got a kindred you're fond of get your dice out get some models out find a friend to play with and get some scores turned in again the site will be alamogt.com there will be a uh a link there for darklands uh and i'm really really excited to be doing it it's going to be called darklands distant hoofbeats if you guys play Darklands, if you've thought about playing Darklands, you can get the rules online from MersheMiniatures.com. That's M-I-E-R-C-E-Miniatures.com. Uh, I've been buying their models for about five years now. They are, to me, undoubtedly the best in the industry. The rules are very nuanced and very layered, and I love playing the hell out of that game. That I haven't played Kings of War because I've been playing Frostgrave and I've been playing Darklands. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, if you like D and D, like I, I did a, uh, you know, a pickup game with uh, Ryan just to see the game. If you like D and D, and you're one of those players that really loves the layers of that, this is honestly like it's a narrative play, like with the rules and everything like that. It's almost like a super advanced version of D and D, but it's played out on a table and uh, super. I mean, like really really fun very intricate game um but very very cool and has a storyline basically as you're playing it it's pretty cool yeah i dug it from a campaign writer's point of view it's a lot of fun because you can do things to change weather and have weather affect a game um you can use time of day to affect a game you can have one game be a night game where vision's obscured uh you can do games in rain or snow so shooting doesn't work i mean you can do a lot more of recreating how the real world works for battles than you can in a game like kings of war where it's a bright sunny day and there's no snow on the ground every time right you know those little mistakes win or lose wars apparently not just games <laughs> well it's more historically accurate <laughs> yeah well cool man i'm interested to see how that how that ends up i'm i'm excited to be doing it so sweet uh you want to talk about uh dan king and him coming out and you know, stuff like that, showing showing that guy around. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, he he was kind of the longest stayed lone wolf participant, other than you know guys that are here local. So we went and picked him up on was that Thursday? Yeah, Thursday. Yeah. He's supposed to land at like one o'clock, so you and I roll up to the airport right on time. Like we were, we we could not have timed traffic or anything perfectly, but we did. And it turns out his flight got delayed for like an hour or something a in the whole air. Damn hour. And uh, so we just sat in the airport making jokes and talking out our ass. That <laughs> was um, funny as we were waiting for him to come out. I was like, so I was like, look, they're starting to look increasingly more British. Surely he's coming out soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have a big sign, British wanker? 
Yeah, right. Oh, we should have um, done that. That would have been, been funny. Funny. So we get him, throw him in the car, drive out, and go immediately to the barbecue place. Uh, and we got two rounds uh, there where we ordered a bunch of food, ate it immediately, and then ordered a, a second round. Ate pretty much all of that too. And we said, F it, let's go get some beers. Uh, drove across town over to my favorite beer joint, Craft and Growler. Got the super flight, which is, was that, like 24 beers? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, the the big ass taster. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's twenty. I, I don't think know. eighteen actually. I think it's. I think it's uh, four. It's either four sets of four or it's five sets of four. So it's either sixteen or twenty. Yeah. Um. It's anyway, yeah, we, we got a whole lot of beer, and Dan got to try a lot of that stuff. Uh, he liked one of the ciders, but was not fond of the other one, uh, because it was too sweet. Not that anybody really cares about that, but then I we can't. uh. We, yeah, I care. Uh, we jumped back in the car and we said, all right, let's go get sushi. So we rolled over and hit the sushi joint, got in there. We pretty much had the entire place to ourselves, which I wasn't expecting. Me neither. It's always so crazy busy. Yeah. Like, it's really good sushi. Little Lily sushi in Fort Worth. You never expect good uh, good sushi in, uh, in Texas, but uh, it's mm-hmm. actually pretty damn good coming from a Californian. That's pretty good. Yeah, and he had never had that before. He had never had sake before, so he popped right? his cherry oh, on a whole lot of different levels that day. Uh, he was looking pretty ragged at the end of that experience, though, because he had been up for whatever it was, like 18 hours, you know, traveling and stuff. So we rolled back to the house. He got a couple of beers with us, played a couple of games of cards. We played Cards Against Humanity, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. Played a little of that. He... uh he went in and turned in about 10.30. We stayed up and drank and fucked around until probably 1 o'clock. I don't even remember. Uh, went to bed, woke up the next day, uh, packed the car, got everything loaded, and then uh, rolled over to the venue. Went in, set up, had a nice leisurely setup because we got in at like 10 a.m. Uh, most of the players weren't there yet. The ones that were decided they were going to help us out. People started getting in pickup games. Then, yeah, we, we just kind of worked our way through Friday. You know, we did the team's tournament. Jeff, you and Dan teamed up and pretty much murdered everybody. So that was a good we sign did. for the weekend. We did. We did team up and yep. uh, let the wrath be rained down upon all thine adversaries. It was pretty good. We we smashed. Yep. Uh, I love a- there was one Twitter picture you'd posted of Dan on Thursday, Mark, where I swear the, the subtitle should be, Oh my fucking god, I can feel my intestines expanding and taking up the rest of my lower. <laughs> yeah. Which one was that? I don't know, but he looks like he was about to shit his pants. <laughs> it's just it this was... look of, there's all this meat and all this beer, and oh god, what have I done? Yeah. yeah. We're at the barbecue. I didn't think I got him in that picture at the barbecue, but... I definitely got pictures of the barbecue. I remember that. So yeah, that that was Friday. Uh, we took him to a little burger joint that was next door. He thought it was a really good burger. Until you and I, I had, took him to Rodeo Go. Yeah, you and I had to correct that because I was like, yeah. "There's no way you're walking away thinking no. that's a good good burger joint." Yeah, uh, that was just convenient. And then Friday night we went out to Mexican. Right, we went out to that Mexican place. Yeah, oh god, yeah. That's hilarious. He never had a beerita, so he never had like you know frozen oh, margarita with the yeah with, with the Corona yeah, sitting upside down. Do in a, it. Yeah, frozen margarita with a you know floating bottle of Corona in it, and 
And he's just like, oh, this is so lovely. The room is spinning. It's so pretty. <laughs> it's like the lights. They're so gorgeous. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. That's Yeah, well, he took pictures that night. Yeah, but, so oh, I snapped yeah. some pictures yeah, of him for that, too. It does not take a lot to get Dan drunk, I'll tell you that. No, apparently not. Um, and then we uh, we rolled back to the venue, and Ryan, you had the dizzy bat, so we whipped that out and played a couple of rounds. Mm-hmm. The funniest part of that was Justin. Oh my God. When Justin was like, "Oh, I'm not gonna fall down. I do this shit all the time. I don't get dizzy." I was like, "All right, dude." And then, <laughs> of course, <laughs> he comes up out of it and just like bowls into you and Cody or whoever was <laughs> yep. standing over that table. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, Dan classic. Dan almost ate shit too, man. Yeah, he yeah, he almost dude. did. We had to catch him and like escort him back to his chair because he was dying, man. <laughs> Him doing Dizzy Bat, he is no Ronnie Renton at Dizzy Bat. No, no, he's not. Ronnie Renton, man, that guy owned that Dizzy Bat. That guy is a Dizzy Bat pro. Don't don't throw down with Ronnie, man. He will destroy you. So yeah, then we uh we just kind of did the typical thing that we do at Lone Wolf, where we kind of stay out in that little atrium and everybody kind of drinks and talks. Probably did that close to one or two o'clock. I kicked everybody out of the room and we we all went our separate ways or whatever dan crashed in the bed i slept on the couch i got um, jeff's wife fucked up yeah, oh yeah was, yeah i remember she that was pretty messed up so <laughs> messed she, up that she left didn't the she room. wander off for like oh 45 minutes it was like yeah she came back to the room and i was like hot because she came back like 30 minutes after me or 45 minutes after me i was dying and uh she she's uh she was just completely hammered and then 45 minutes later she gets up from being asleep, goes out in the hallway and just, I was like, surely that wasn't the door closed. And I look around, she's and she's gone, and she doesn't come back for like forty-five minutes to an hour. And she comes, she comes back in the room, or like she comes back, she's knocking on the door, and I'm like, okay. So I let her in. She's just like, I forgot my key, and I was like, where the fuck did you go? She's just like, she's like. I went to make sure everybody was okay, and I was just like, (laughs) you went at 3.45 in the morning back to the venue room to make sure everyone was okay. I got lost. Oh, okay. And I forgot my key. The front desk, they wouldn't let me back in. And I was like, oh my gosh, really? Like, wow. Yeah, my wife is a horrible drunk. Anyway, it was pretty funny. Horribly funny. Yeah. So. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, then uh, then everybody started playing their games on Saturday. Did th- went all the way through that. I think Saturday night they, <coughs> the West Coast guys and some of the other folks went out for steaks. Yep, we did. I was I was not hungry at that point, man. I yeah. wanted something light and little, and I was not in the mood to drive to downtown Fort Worth for anything. No, yeah, yeah. So I, was I think, on the same page. did we, did, that was the night we went and hit sushi, right? That yeah, little crappy sushi place yeah. next door. Yeah, it's cheap. Yeah, it was, yeah it was cheap. It was good. Uh, so we hit that, came back. Just awesome steak. No, I know. I know that place is awesome. We live in Texas. Awesome. We can get awesome steak all the time. That's <laughs> Once they, again, uh, everybody kind of. in a back room because they were embarrassed of us. Yeah. Oh, they did. That's great. had a great time, so. Yeah, this place was a, a little bit fancier when we roll up in our gaming t-shirts with our gamer funk going. Right. Uh, they pushed us as far to the back as we could. Like, we gotta segregate these people. 
someone asks for the bathroom, they lead them to the back door of the restaurant. Right, right. <laughs> Here, here's a Here, bucket. piss off this ledge. So yeah, then we uh, then we all kind of hung around uh, Saturday night, drank beers. I got my growler back from Ryan, and yes, you did. We, did I we fill drained it up for you? It. Yes, you did. Yep, that was that Ranger Creek sour, wasn't it? Uh, Blue Star. Oh, it was Blue Star. That's right. That's right. Still Downtown good. San Antonio. So then we go into Sunday. You know, get down in the room. Everybody's ready to play. We had the matchups already. I had somebody show up a little late, so we had to kind of work our way around that. But for the most part, it was a pretty relaxed Sunday where we only had one game, a lunch, and then the second game. It had a couple of scoring errors that we had to recalculate, which is what took so long um, after the sixth game for me to crunch all the numbers. And even doing that, like, there were things that still kind of slipped through the cracks. Thankfully, George Loeffler was there to to catch it and make sure that I didn't give away the, the trophy to the wrong person. <laughs> right. You know, when I look at who actually got the trophy, I would have been all right with Lance Hatcher having it over Sean Bright. Right. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. It's okay. You gave Robbie my trophy, even though you announced No, it I think there. Robbie took your trophy. I think there's a difference Maybe. there where I was like, yeah. here, hand this over, and he just kind of kept I'm it. I'm just going to hold on to this. I think I'm just going to hold on to this one. <laughs> so, I'm yeah. Like second better. It's prettier. Okay. Here you go. <laughs> That the second place trophy is probably yeah. the coolest trophy in my opinion. But it, yeah, that's funny. But anyway, yeah, that's that's kind of how all that played out. You and I, when we we got everything packed up, we got Dan in the car, rolled over, hit hit Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah you helped. You helped. Um, got some beer. Got a couple of appetizers. You guys got food. I still wasn't in the mood to really eat food at that point. Rolled back to my place. Uh, we started drinking out of the keg. You guys showed up uh, like an hour later, I think, after we got home and got unpacked and shit and started drinking with us. And I I put sausage in. I remember that. I put sausage in the oven. <laughs> and we were watching Beer Fest. And then we played. Did we play Mexican Train? What did we do? We did something. No, we were, yeah. We, did uh, we played, we played, uh, we played Cards Against Humanity that night. We did that Sunday night too? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I swear we played. Yeah, I have, I have Dan recorded on video, pretty smashed up, talking about your corgi. Oh, no shit? <laughs> yeah. It's time for another moment with Dan. Oh, and this nice sausage. Oh, it was just gorgeous. I loved it. And it, it was just just it was just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, so some of the people were having some uh, really big ones and uh and it, it was just, just, it was just absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> I'm loving it. Very authentic and funky, so that was awesome. Kind of rich in the last four, more than four. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I win. Erection wins. Oh, no, 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 erection. I'm looking forward to getting home to see all of the royal corgis, yeah. This has been... A moment with Dan. Was I passed out on the couch then? Because I know I passed out on the couch at At some some point. point, And you guys were making fun of me. And I I got up and I was like, I'm not going to pass out again. And then I passed out again. Probably should have eaten dinner. That probably would have helped. But (laughs) yeah, so then we we wake up the next day. So it's Monday now. We start kind of getting prepped to to take Dan um, out to the airport. But there's stuff that we're going to do before that. So uh, we kind of sit around my house and kind of shoot the shit, drink a couple of beers. Then we roll over to Rodeo Goat and get him some really 
actually good burgers that you can get in Texas. He he thought they were spectacular. I think he had the sugar burger, which is classic classic burger. Had a couple of beers there, and then we uh we rolled out to the airport, got him dropped off. He got on his flight and he headed home, and that was Monday evening. And so I got home at like probably five o'clock, maybe close to six o'clock in the afternoon. And I just went to bed and I slept for like thirteen hours. It was great. Lucky. But yeah, that was kind of Dan's whole experience kind of encapsulated where you know we were taking around he had a great time at the gun range though too oh shit i forgot about the gun range <laughs> it's okay yeah we took him out took my nine mil and then you took your uh 45 yeah. and uh he did he did pretty damn good i'm really surprised at how accurate he was yeah i mean uh, as as someone that has never shot a gun he uh he he shot pretty damn well pretty yeah. damn well he had a good time so awesome i think just listening to dan half the time uh, like expressing how much fun he was having was was the best thing for me for the weekend <laughs> it was it was hilarious just just him saying everything's gorgeous and wonderful that's <laughs> pretty great but i mean like look looking at some of the feedback and stuff it sounds like uh you know just from how how much of a good time he had we've already got uh we've already got some more interested parties and coming out next year so mm -hmm. that's good yeah, that's what and, I'm hoping. And we've already made the commitment that we are coming to the UK next year. 2017. 2017. It is happening. We will be taking a Texas invasion to go over there and steal Dan King's hardware. So it is going to happen. We plan to do 2017 Clash of Kings. So, uh, you know, be ready. I heard I'm supposed to call out some marginal player, Darren parks or something like that <laughs> that's what is what dan told me i don't know it's what it's what dan said so we'll see so you had a me. hard enough time with dan you gotta go to the next tier down right right yeah seriously <laughs> if i want the easy win i heard i'm just supposed to challenge nick and then fuck that i'll hurt. take an easy win <laughs> i need all the easy wins i can get yeah man i had a great time i'm i'm really glad that uh dan came out you know it was it was more about uh more about the fun of hanging out and having a great time with everybody yeah. rather than just the tournament. You know, that's the kind of persona that we always try to put on for people too, is just having Well, a and that's great what time, our tournaments you know? have always been about. It's, right, yeah. The games are incidental. It's the hanging out and drinking and having fun is is what the tournaments are really about. And then right. the games that happen on the table, yeah, those those are important too. But they're not the best part of it. Exactly. So all this yeah. time, I've got just one question for you, Mark. Did you ever figure out whose bag that was? Yeah, yeah, it's Sean's bag. Okay. Which is funny because I was so emphatic, is like, this, there's no way this is his bag. And like, I it's said, not his. I said, did you call Sean? Because I bet you it's Sean. No, he he called me while we were at uh at Twin Peaks and you were getting your picture taken, and uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, there's a bag. Yeah, it's got boots in it. He's like, those are mine. Okay. Well, can you get them to me? I'm like, dude, you can come and get them whenever you want, or I'll bring them to you when I see you in a month. Like, it's not that big a deal. But I'm sure you're shit yeah. not mailing them to you because that's mm -mm. That's, a that's a big bag. Big bag. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. All in all, great time. Hoping, hoping to see some more, uh, some more guys uh, flying out here next year. Have a great time. We'll, we already said, you know, if anybody wants to come out, we'll, uh, we'll make sure they get taken care of while they're out here and. Uh, you know, 
show them around, make sure that you come for more than just a couple of tournament days and yep. we'll uh we'll make sure we have that that bumper time to come on out and show you guys around and do all that stuff. We will be coming out to the UK in uh, 2017, like I said, but I'm going to come out for at least a week, uh, maybe more. So we're going to be making a whole trip of it. So, so yeah, it's funny. I, uh, flying out, you know. I did something that I don't typically do, which was like the week after Lone Wolf, I contacted the venue. And I was like, hey, let's start paperwork again. Usually I, I give myself a couple of months on that, but because I had so much feedback where people are like, well, what's the date next year? What's the date next year? I was like, well, shit, I got to get this stuff on the books. So, you know, I'm actually in the process of working through paperwork with them right now. Oh, nice. Yeah. We, so you're talking about probably two or three months in advance of where I'd typically be doing that. Hmm. But that's just, that's how positive of an experience that everybody had that they were so emphatic yeah. about, let's do this again. So here i am good but yeah man I'm, I'm looking forward to it It's it's been a lot of fun um you know i'm really looking forward to next year where we get out there and get to go mess around with those guys like jeff is talking about it's gonna be great i'm looking forward to corpus christi too it's gonna be that'll fun. be fun right uh, i'm gonna try and enjoy a trip i don't know right now for those who don't know my wife's expecting our third so my travel is uh not as guaranteed as it used to be they're called condoms ryan you should put one on sometime Catholic. They make Catholic condoms. No, I'm pretty sure they don't. <laughs> it's called pulling out. Uh, you're not very good at that either. No, we uh, we mostly wanted three. Mostly, but you're sure yeah. you shit getting three. So oh, I'm excited. mostly wanted it or not. <laughs> I haven't been this excited about anything in a while. It is wonderful. That is that is all you. <laughs> I'm good with I'm good with one. The corgi needs someone else to chase her around. Mm -mm. She's good. No, the people, Kaylee, what the people Kaylee really want to know is, are you going to be able to make the UK for 2017? I am hopeful. Uh, it's going to depend on dates, I think. But yeah, because I'm hoping to go up and uh, take a day and go up to Nottingham and visit Mercia and harass them for the fact that they steal too many of my paychecks. They definitely do that. So shout out to you guys if you're listening. I'm coming. Be careful, because when he does that, you usually end up with a kid. <laughs> but I'm dumb. That's that's funny because it's true. <laughs> Such a people pleaser. Oh man. Okay, so we're off the rails at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> we're so far derailed. We're not even in a train anymore. Yeah, I think we've covered everything that we've yeah. covered too. So. All right. Sounds good. I guess we'll uh we'll cut it here. Talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. <laughs> she was a waitress at the Only John Town. She had a reputation as a girl in Iran. Down Mason at the midnight, a brand new pack of six. A fresh one hanging from her lips, a beer between her legs. She'd ride down to the river and meet with all her friends. The road goes on forever and the party never ends. Sonny was a loner, he was owning the rest. He was going in the Navy, but he couldn't pass the test. So he hung around town, he sold a little pot. 
The law guy went to Sonny One day got caught But he was back in business When they set him free again The road goes on forever And the party never ends Sonny's playing a ball at the joint where Cher works With some drunken out of town Put his hand in Cher's skirt Sonny took his blue and key legs and knock out on the floor Stopped a dollar in a tip jar Walked on out the door She's running right behind him Reaching for his hand The road goes on forever So let's get on out of here The stars are above them And the moon was in the east The sun was setting on them When they reached Miami Beach They got a hotel by the water And a port of Bombay gin And the road goes on forever The party never ends They soon ran out of money But suddenly knew a man And there's some Cuban refugees That dealt in Copperman Sonny met the Cubans at a house just off the road With a briefcase full of money, a pistol in his boot The cards are on the table when the law came busting in The road goes on forever and the party never ends The Cubans grabbed the goodies and Sonny grabbed the jack He broke the bathroom when they climbed on out the back She drove the pickup through the alley on the side and was ringing his ride She stepped into the alley With a single shot for ten The road goes on And the party never ends Just before the break of day Sonny gave her all the money And he blew a little kiss And they asked her how this happened Say I forced into this She watched him as his taillights Disappeared around the bend The road goes on forever The party never ends It's March around the midnight Just like it was before Twenty-one months later At the local grocery store Share buys a paper and a cold six-pack of beer The headlines read it's sunny, it's going to the chair She pulls back on a main street in her new Mercedes Benz The road goes on forever and the party never ends